The Holy Gospel according to Mark, the eighth chapter. Jesus went on with his disciples to the villages of Caesarea Philippi. And on the way, he asked his disciples, Who do people say that I am? And they answered him, John the Baptist and others, Elijah, and still others, one of the prophets. He asked them, But who do you say that I am? Peter answered him, You are the Messiah. And he sternly ordered them not to tell anyone about him. Then he began to teach them that the Son of Man must undergo great suffering and be rejected by the elders, the chief priests, and the scribes, and be killed, and after three days rise again. He said all of this quite openly. And Peter took him aside and began to rebuke him by turning and looking at his disciples. He rebuked Peter and said, Get behind me, Satan, for you are setting your mind not on the divine things, but on human things. He called the crowd with his disciples and said to them, If any want to become my followers, let them deny themselves and take up their cross and follow me. For those who want to save their life will lose it. And those who lose their life for my sake and for the sake of the gospel will save it. For what will it profit them to gain the whole world and forfeit their life? Indeed, what can they give in return for their life? Those who are ashamed of me and of my words in this adulterous and sinful generation, of them the Son of Man will also be ashamed when he comes in the glory of his Father with the holy angels. The Gospel of the Lord. My dear brothers and sisters, I bring you grace and peace from God our Father and from our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. Amen. As I mentioned in my welcome, this is an important weekend in the life of the church as we once again begin the program year. And this morning I want to share uh, two simple, but I hope important, uh, points with you. Uh, The first simple but important point is I simply want to say thank you. Uh, It goes without saying, but I will say it anyway, the last 18 months or so have been unexpected. Did anyone expect the last 18 months? They've been disruptive and challenging in all kinds of ways, and yet, here we find ourselves at the beginning of a program year in the fall of 2021 at St. Philip Deacon, and I would suggest to you today that this congregation, despite all that has happened in the last 18 months, is actually better prepared for God's bright and hope-filled future than we were 18 months ago. And so I want to say thank you to our members. Thank you for your patience and your encouragement and your faithful generosity. Thank you for the ways you've bathed this community in love. And I say those thanks to you, whether you have been a longtime member or a newer member, whether you have been worshiping with us since about Easter in person, or if you are just returning today, whether you uh, are worshiping still virtually, uh, or whether, and whether you're close by or far away. And I know we have a lot of people who've become part of this community who live so far away, they may never set foot in this sanctuary. To all of you, to each and every one of you, I say thank you. And I want to thank our leadership teams, our executive team and our council for their faithful wisdom and counsel as we've discussed 
complex, difficult, complicated things, making hard decisions. They've been wonderful guides and leaders for this congregation and partners in conversation with uh, me. And I want to thank, of course, our wonderful staff who have so faithfully continued the ministry of this place while having to regularly pivot, that's a word we've all become used to in the last 18 months, in ongoing changing circumstances. I want to suggest to you this morning that we not only survived the last 18 months as a congregation, we have thrived and are, have actually expanded our ministries. And as I say, I, I believe with all my heart, we're better prepared for the future today than we were 18 months ago. So we give thanks to God, certainly for God's providence, God's protection. But I say to each and every one of you again, deep and heartfelt thanks. Thank you, thank you, thank you. So that's the first simple but important thing I want to say. The second one I will get to by way of the gospel reading this morning. The gospel reading is a famous one uh, where Jesus says to his disciples, uh, ask them a question, who do, you, who do people say that I am? And the response is, well, some people say you're John the Baptist, some say you're Elijah, some say you're one of the other prophets. And then, of course, Jesus makes the question more pointed and says, and what about you? Who do you say that I am? And Peter, speaking for the disciples, says, well, you're the Messiah. And we're told in the passage that at this point, Jesus begins to teach them that the Son of Man must undergo great suffering and be rejected by the scribes and the elders and the chief priests and eventually die and on the third day be raised again. And it's at this point, Peter sort of hits the pause button and says, um, Jesus? You asked a really important question. Did you hear my response? You're the Messiah. You're the king. You're the great high priest. You're the military general. You have come to show the world God's power and authority and might. And among other things, you've come to kick these pesky Romans who are oppressing us out so we can have our life back. What are you talking about? with this suffering and dying. Jesus, you don't understand what it means to be the Messiah. At which point, of course, Jesus says, no, Peter, you don't understand. And then Jesus shares with both the disciples and the crowds what is sometimes called the worst marketing slogan in the history of the world. Let anyone who would follow me deny themselves, take up their cross, and follow me. Deny yourselves. Take up a burden. Who wants to do that? And this is the part that gets us to the second simple but important point I want to make this morning. As we begin this program here, this is a reminder, I think, or points to a reminder of what I might call our posture as Christians in the world. This is not the only way uh, to talk about those the worst marketing slogan in the history of the world that Jesus says, but it's an important distillation of it, and I think gets at this point. So again, this is the second important thing I want to share with us today as we begin this program here, and we are reminded again of who we are in the world and who God is. And that second important thing is this. Your life is not about you. Your life is not about you, and we live in a culture where that sounds a little shocking because a lot of people, every moment of every day, want to tell you, it is about you. You're the center of the universe. 
You're the most important thing ever. Can I get an amen to that? And so we hear someone like me say, your life is not about you, and I think our initial response is defensive. Well, Tim, I think you got that wrong. We might even be offended by it. It sounds so negative. I want to suggest this morning, friends, that those words, your life is not about you, are not negative or offensive, but are freeing. Thank you, Jesus, that my life is about something more important than little old me. Thank you, Jesus, that you are inviting me, the creator of the universe, you are inviting me to participate in your redeeming and restoring and healing work in the world. Thank you, Jesus, that you're calling me on a grand adventure, which is, by the way, how I think we should understand the life of faith. Thank you that you are calling me on a grand adventure that begins in this life and continues eternally in the life to come. That's how I think we should think about those words, positively. Now you may say, well, Tim, what does that look like? And this weekend of all weekends, the obvious example of one way it looks is the amazing heroes and heroines of 9-11 who didn't think about themselves, right? The people on Flight 93 who took the plane back and forced it to crash land, not thinking about themselves but thinking about the people they would save. Or the people in New York, or the Pentagon, who didn't run away from the confusion and the chaos and the flames and the devastation, but rather did what? They ran to it, recognizing that their life at that moment was not about them, but about how they could help their neighbor neighbor, and save their neighbor. That strikes me as a good model for all of us as we go about our lives as Christians in the world. Worry less about ourselves, think less about ourselves so that we can do what? Turn in freedom to our neighbor, to the one in need and say, in God's name, in Christ's name, how can I share a word of peace and comfort with you? How can I love you? Friends, today, Jesus invites us, each and every one of us, to participate with him in his ongoing redeeming and healing work in the world. And in doing so, Jesus invites us into lives that are filled with meaning and significance and purpose that is far beyond anything we could construct or construe for ourselves. The only question for us this morning, the only question for you, this morning, is will you follow him? Amen.